Community radio for the San Francisco music scene. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever. frequencies forever. I'm your host Lily Sloan. If you haven't listened before, well, you're in for a real treat because the show's ending after after today. There's only two more broadcasts. Um, but also, oops, <laughs> you know what? It's probably good the show's ending. I don't even know what I'm doing. Uh, this is just, this is just, uh, you know, Community radio magic here. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So also, if you haven't listened before, um, I'm a psychotherapist based in San Francisco. And every week I bring in guests usually to talk about the intersection of psychotherapy, personal growth and activism. And, you know, I started the show kind of as a response to, um, well, I started the show in 2017 and it was it was definitely inspired by what was happening politically and everything that was coming up in my therapy sessions with clients and myself and how to deal emotionally when the world is on fire and how to fight back against that. So it's been really it's been really uh, emotional and beautiful and inspiring to have been doing this now this is the 116th broadcast and I've gotten a lot out of it I hope you have too and there'll be more on that later and over the next couple weeks so um right now what we're gonna do is just take a moment I think I really need it to just step away from what you're doing if you can kind of Stop trying to multitask in the moment and just pay attention to your breath. Whatever it is that you are caught up in right now will be there waiting for you when you're done. It's so easy to forget to breathe easy to forget to pause so I'm reminding you so one of the easiest most accessible ways to do this is to focus on your breathing just noticing the quality of air coming in your nose or your mouth, down your throat, into your lungs, feeling your belly rise, 
your chest rise and fall back again as the air exits. Just one of those ongoing processes that's happening whether you know it or not. And yet there are also so many moments where we unknowingly are holding our breath. You can notice too if there's any sensations drawing your attention that are coming up in your body. Just kind of scan through and feel in your toes and your feet and legs, knees, your pelvis, and your, and your belly and your chest and your back, and your head. Just scan through and see if there's any interesting sensations. And you may notice that your mind is jumping to evaluate, judge, fix. That's pretty natural. See if you can redirect it to just the experience of those sensations. Pulling ourselves out of the urgency to change and into the experience of being right in this moment. return to whatever you were doing or you can stay right where you are it's up to you thanks so much for tuning in today i am excited for today's show and today's guest and it's going to start off with a song as usual uh today's guest wants to hear the last song by elton john and i'm sure we will hear all about it in a moment. Yesterday you came to lift me up as light as straw and brittle 
as a bird Today I weigh less than a shadow on the wall Just one more whisper of a voice unheard Tomorrow leave the windows open As fear grows, please hold me in your arms Won't you help me if you can To shake this anger I need your gentle hands To keep me calm Cause I never thought I'd lose I only thought I'd win I'd feel this fire beneath my skin. I can't believe you love me. I never thought you'd come. I guess I misjudged love between a father and his son. Never said Come together The hidden truth No longer haunting me Tonight We touched On things that were never spoken That kind of understanding Sets me free Cause I I never dreamed I'd feel This fire beneath my skin I can't believe you love me I never thought you'd come I guess I misjudged love Between a father and his You're listening to Radical Advice on BFF.fm, Best Frequencies Forever. I'm Lily Sloan. Joining me here in the studio is Annie Schusler. Hi. Hey, Lily. Hey. Um, thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. You chose the last song by Elton John. Can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah. So um, Elton John is just totally my boyfriend <laughs> does he knows know this i mean i think he knows that he's a lot of people's boyfriends but he doesn't mm. know about me in particular okay but yeah that's fair <laughs> so he he and bernie Taupin wrote that song um to honor freddie mercury right after freddie mercury died mm. and i recently lost my mentor and good friend and former supervisor just in the last month uh, she died, and so I've been just thinking about her a ton. And so when you asked about mm. a song, I wanted to find something that honored her. Mm. I'm really sorry that you lost her. Thank you. Yeah. 
that's a that's like a yeah i don't know that's a, i've i've known people whose supervisors have died while mm. they were in supervision with oh them. wow yeah yeah or like yeah. people when you know a therapist dies i remember my friend's dad died when we were 25 um, of leukemia and he was a therapist mm. and his wife was taking his clients mm. and she was grieving and they were you know it's just like there's so many layers yeah. of that there yeah yeah, and so SJ ended up being, like, she was a wonderful supervisor. I worked with her for years. And then we we got to have a friendship long after that was over. Our kids are the same age, and they're really good friends. Mm -hmm. And so we've we've just gotten to really be close in a whole different new way. Yeah. But I still always hold on to her as, like, a mentor and like someone who I think of as a parent figure mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at the same time as being my friend. So, yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. She was amazing. Mm. Well, I'm glad that you got to honor her with a song. Yeah. On the radio. And I also wanted to bring her in because it's like when, like she was someone who really just like, we're allowed to swear? Or oh, yeah, yeah. She just like lived the fuck out of her life. <laughs> <laughs> and like she just, I mean, she was a rad therapist and activist and just like took up space and made space for other people and just lived so big. Mm. And so I also just kind of want to bring her in, like as we're talking about pivots and we're talking about the changes you're making and all the stuff we're going to talk about. Yeah. Like I want to bring her in just like as this really fabulous force of like living really big and making amazing choices. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. Mm. And it was very kind of bizarre because while the song was playing, there was a knock on the studio door and I answered and it was a UPS delivery person delivering something for somebody who who died last year um and I it was just like the song was playing and it was so sad and I knew it was about Freddie Mercury and I was just like oh my god what yeah that was crazy yeah and um I don't know if we use that the word crazy that was bonkers that was something and then also he looked a little bit like Freddie Mercury or he had Freddie he Mercury's did. mustache oh my god you you're right. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Let's let's keep making more meaning out of this. Yes. Because it's fun to yes. be weirded out. <laughs> yes. What package is coming for you? Oh. Ooh, that sounds really <laughs> ominous. <laughs> Which package is coming for you? <laughs> or... You say it in a different way, and it's like, hmm, which package is coming for you? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Let's go there. <laughs> That's the package I want. Totally. <laughs> so, Annie, um, just to kind of give people more of a rundown of, of who you are, you are a uh, practicing psychotherapist, but it sounds like there's some shifts going on there. Yeah. And you are also a coach and a podcaster. You're host of the podcast Rebel Therapist, which 
I guess I wasn't on because yes, you. Well, yes, I, you were. It you rebranded. It changed names, but it's in the same feed. Oh, okay, so, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, yeah, I was your first guest. I think. Yeah. Wait, were you? You were my first guest. I was yeah. your first guest. Yeah. Yeah, and you talked about wanting to have everything that you do, including your podcast at this time, be part of the resistance. Yeah. Yeah. So it was yeah, just yeah, like yeah. A perfect beginning. Well, I like. The, ch- the name change to Rebel Therapist. Yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so can yeah, can you say a little more about the work you're doing and the directions you're you're taking? Sure. So what I I'm closing my therapy practice. Just wow. To, like to say that that's a whole thing. Yeah. So that's in like that's happening now. Like saying goodbye to clients, um, mm. and. My focus has been and, and is just, you know, continuing more and more to be on helping therapists and healers to do whatever it is that they really want to be doing. And especially when that takes them outside of the therapy room mm-hmm. into other realms um, and, you know, creating other programs, creating creating whatever it is that they really are meant to be doing next um, and supporting them in those new kinds of leadership. Do you feel like, I don't know, where you kind of bring in the term rebel therapist and think about, you know, therapists stepping outside of the maybe traditional path of private practice. Do you do you feel like hmm, there was like wording in my mind just now? <laughs> um, I guess, do, do you feel like there there's something about the, the traditional path of psychotherapy that has not been a fit for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the constraints of that role in a certain way have been really helpful for me because I feel like whenever we have constraints like it it helps us to focus Mm -hmm. so it helped me to focus it helped me to go to really deep and sometimes uncomfortable places and and like grow like in facing uncomfortable feelings in Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. stepping into um, really being there for people and and getting mastery over certain parts of myself Mm -hmm. and like as a lifelong path it feels like the constraints don't work for me anymore that Mm -hmm. um I feel like there are ways that and 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 people can come up with exceptions to this absolutely but it feels like there are certain constraints around um, how we express ourselves and even how we're activists yeah um there is still kind of a um being privately one-on-one with people or one-on-two with people there's something beautiful about that and then there's also something that's not right for me right now about it like mm-hmm. that i want to be i have a tendency to kind of hide and i don't want to do that like i want to be stepping out more and oh. like having public conversations that's really yeah that's really interesting too. I mean, it sounds like you're really listening to like a 
like an intuition of, of where where it's time like where it's time for you to go mm-hmm. and I've so I've struggled with the constraint of that space and how much I'm supposed to show of myself and all of that around you know the well there's so many different opinions about how to do that but there's things that that have been frowned upon that like I've ingrained inside of me and mm-hmm. traditional ways of practicing therapy and all of that but I've felt like oh a lot of my need to step outside of that has been because I I am not somebody who likes to hide yeah and I feel really uncomfortable doing doing a role that's kind of like private yeah in a way like my twitter is so personal (laughs) and there was a point when i made that switch Mm -hmm. where i was just like you know what fuck it like i don't care like i mean i care but i i don't i don't want to feel like i have to be professional in a particular way yeah and um i I just want to be myself on Twitter and use it casually and also sometimes seriously. And so, but, but I've, I've often felt like, oh, the people who are probably more content in this role in this, uh, with these therapy constraints are people who are, who might have more of a tendency to hide. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like maybe that worked well for you for a while. Like it was a good fit. And now you're like, but I think I need to expand myself outside of that is that that's right yeah Yeah. and I know I can do that and still be in the therapy room yeah but it's just like I just think there's a different path for everybody and yeah and for me it's like I can just feel that it's time to be out there yeah and not to be private but yeah I mean you've been you've been doing this for years with like therapist walks into a bar like what Mm -hmm. a perfect (laughs) what a perfect statement that was very much that yes yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's definitely it is it is such a a weird thing I our job as, as a therapist is really weird yeah can I ask you a question yeah like how have it how has it been for you to be like on this show, you, like it's not all edited. It's not all, like you get to decide what you're going to say and what you're not going to say, but it also is just happening in real time. Yeah. So has that like grown your edge of getting comfortable with really just being in public, just mm. being, I don't know, maybe even more integrated between who you are Mm-hmm. when you curate and when you don't curate? Like, what's that been like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, my first impulse is to think that I don't know that it's made me more comfortable with, uh, I mean, and probably to a degree it's made me more comfortable with just being out with myself. But, um, but I think it's also made me, it's, it's really like a, driven home how much I want to do work in my life that allows that Mm. so it it hasn't made in a way maybe it's made being a therapist harder Mm -hmm. because there's like a but that's where I feel more integrated and more me and Mm -hmm. even more useful Mm. in a way even though you know there's been so many moments of doubt it's like oh is anyone even listening like what's the point you know 
only my mom listens like which I know isn't true <laughs> but it's hard it's you know because there's not like thousands and thousands of listeners it's hard to wait know. is your mom really listening she might be right now she usually does uh-huh. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see if she texts um <laughs> but you know there's like uh yeah it, it's it can be hard for me to there's this constant tension. Sorry, I'm doing a lot of like unfinished sentences here. There's a constant tension for me between like this desire to like put myself out there and in a way that's supportive to other people too and to mm-hmm. connect and feel like I'm creating like an experience of not aloneness for myself and for other people and then the fact that it can never, it can feel like there's never enough validation of what I'm doing to to feel like there's a reason to do it. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. that ending the show, there's a little bit of that. Like, well, mm-hmm. it was getting really hard to get guests. Mm-hmm. It was getting really hard to get listener questions. And mm-hmm. so there was this feeling of like, I, I think I would have continued the show if I was getting enough external validation for doing it. Mm-hmm. But I think the combination of not with, well, I need this energy to do something else then, mm-hmm. you know, was mm-hmm. like, okay, I, it's time maybe for it to end because the the feeling of like, what is, what am I even doing? <laughs> what is the point <laughs> was starting to really get to me. And I, and I, that feels a little bit icky to admit, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily admit that external validation is like part of the you know lack of external validation is part of why I'm ending it but it is it's like I want to I want to be myself I want to put myself out there but I want I want there to actually be some kind of feedback loop mm-hmm. and like reason to do it and sometimes um just one or two people isn't enough mm-hmm. for me to feel like there's a reason yeah, it seems like it's one factor. Yeah. It's like, are you reaching people the way you want to reach people? Yeah, for sure. I also feel like just the um, people ask the question a lot. I've noticed because I'm ending my therapy practice. People ask the question a lot, like, why are you ending that? Why are you not going to do that anymore? Why? Why? Yes. People don't yeah. ask, I think, often enough, oh, why are you continuing that? Like, why are you going to do another year of that? Or why <laughs> Why is it the right time to continue one more time with, with that thing? It's like right. we kind of go by default. Not that I want to be a jerk about it, asking everybody, like, why are you living your life? But <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Why are you doing that thing that you seem to enjoy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but with especially with the people I'm close to and, of course, with my clients, it's like I want to ask, like, okay, like, yeah, why are you bringing this thing into the future with you? And it doesn't have to be because it would be terrible to end or it would be wrong to end. Like, I feel like it's okay to decide that something can get set down so that we can bring something else into the future with us. It doesn't have to mean... yeah. Like we're quitting or we're abandoning or. Right. Yeah. And that those. Yeah. Those questions came up a lot. Um, 
those questions came up when I was ending a therapist walks into a bar less with this um they've come up in interesting ways when I've told people that I'm shrinking my therapy practice or that I think eventually I'll probably be transitioning out eventually you know and like I've gotten this kind of like need it feels like a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction but from some therapists that are like I I had somebody be like oh I'm sorry it didn't work out yeah and I was like wait what it it didn't not work out I just am done doing it like I'm it was such a it was just it was such a strange response and I and I also realized like there there was a lot of projection going yeah. on there and and um or yeah are people just thinking it's a sad thing or a bad thing and I'm like well I mean it'll be sad there's sad things about it but it's not a bad thing it's not because something's wrong yeah it's because something has changed and something is more clear to me mm-hmm. you know now as things have changed yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I so I guess I kind of wonder how you are working with that around closing your practice, because you've been a therapist, you, you said for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I've been a therapist for about 10 years. That feels like a long time and a short time. But yeah, I mean, that's been I imagine there's big identity shifts there. Yeah, I mean. For me, the there's I'm really into leaving the party when I'm having a really good time at it. <laughs> oh yeah. And like I love every one of my clients and like I don't have any new clients. Like, I haven't mm-hmm. started working with someone new in a really long time. Um and so it feels like it feels like the right time to end. And there's like, I've definitely had the opportunity to bump up against the identity questions because other therapists I'm close to have had a lot of questions, like you're saying of, like, but why? Like you have such a small practice anyway. Mm-hmm. Why? And you love it. Like, why would you end? And so, and like, and so I, I definitely, I mean, time is so precious. Yeah. That's my main reason is like, I remember SJ saying this to me, um, you know, in probably like a couple of months before she died, like, there's just so much I want to do. Mm. And so it's not so much about not wanting to do that as wanting to do other things. Right. I'm starting a new podcast, oh, which you I'm are. excited about. Yeah. What is the new podcast? It's called Listening to Adoptees. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and wow. so it's me. I'm an adoptive parent. And okay. it's me and an adult adoptee uh-huh. who are interviewing other adult adoptees about their experiences. And then the two of us are like talking in each, you know, in each episode about our reactions to what we're hearing in the conversations mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. kind of for me, selfishly, it's to make me a better parent and to have a way to share. How selfish. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then like to share that and help other adoptive parents do better. So really the ultimate goal is to have like a voice that will help 
younger adoptees. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so there's just so much stuff. But I am in an identity crisis. I'm I'm really curious if you're in an identity uh-huh. crisis. Yeah, yeah, just right around, in it. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna be a therapist anymore. Like, yeah. and I help therapists. I'm yeah. like, are they gonna still trust me if I'm not mm. a therapist? If I'm not actually having to deal with those? Right. That's the like. Can I be a couple's questions? therapist if I've been divorced? You right. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, like, yeah, it's such a huge part of my adult identity is right. being a therapist. Right. And I'm okay with letting it go, but it's also like, I don't know what it'll be like. No. It's the job I have that people understand what it is too. So when uh-huh, I introduce myself, uh-huh. I don't know what I'll say. Um, <laughs> well, we could come up with some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> say like, I am... A master of, I don't know. We need to just make up some kind of like, either like, um, oh, you could be a cult leader, <laughs> right? Like, and you, yeah, you could be like a level f- 12, you know, <laughs> Cobra master or something. Yes. Yeah. Cobra love master. <laughs> I don't know what words people use in cults, but. Yeah, I guess I'd have to. We could make one up. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It doesn't matter. It's your cult. I mean, I can tell people I'm a business coach, but somehow that that doesn't Mm. capture the spirit of what you do. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's definitely true. But what about you? Like you, I mean, when you tell people what you do now, I'm assuming that this is a big part of what you tell them. Yeah, it's such a mess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's like. Yeah, it's this whole rigmarole of like, well, I'm so I uh well, so I'm a part time I'm a psychotherapist with a private practice, but I you know, I only do that one day a week, but that's actually the job that pays my bills mostly, but I also uh do audio production stuff freelance and they're like, what does that mean? I'm like um I'd like I edit some podcasts and I do some radio and I, you know, make some music for things. Uh, Sometimes I do sound design and it's just like there's just no like short, easy thing again that someone's going to understand. And there's something very. (sighs) I feel like you should say you're a Dragon Master sound design expert. Like, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like people don't even, uh, sound design is something that impacts everybody. I, I shouldn't say everybody's life. Like if you don't hear, then probably not. But mm-hmm. it, 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 if you have hearing, yeah. sound design impacts everybody's lives. Yeah, It's in everything, whether it's yes. like something you're like just listening to on the radio or in a podcast or watching in a film. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. And and it's extremely unrecognized as a thing. It's like, because if it's done well, like editing, good editing, you don't notice that it's there. I mean, that's probably part of what happened for me in this opening part today when you were leading us through a breathing exercise. I was just like, what the fuck? This is really effective hmm. in a way that it's not always effective for me. Oh, interesting. I was like, is there something about this chair? Like, what's going on? But yeah, it was probably the combination of your voice and the the sound 
design uh, that you're uh-huh. doing at the moment. Uh-huh. That, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I I know people who would never want music happening while they're doing, like, listening to a guided meditation. They would want a very, like, clean, like, unadulterated experience. And I understand that, too, because music is emotionally manipulative. Yeah. And there's sounds that can be more neutral than others. Like, I feel like that little piece that I had made is, like, it's not new. No, no sound is neutral, but it's mm-hmm. like it's 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 more emotionally neutral than other things I could have played. I'm not like, mm-hmm. let's listen to this really like sad minor <sighs> key thing or like, yeah. yeah, or this like really like really like hopeful, like acoustic guitar noodling, you know, like yeah. it's it's to me a little more neutral than that. But um, but I find. Yeah. And I find using music myself to be its own kind of tricky territory because I can really curate an emotional environment for myself that might be adding to a narrative that Mm. is a bit of a construct that might be comfortable to me. You know, Mm. like uh, these are emotions that I'm familiar with and I feel safe here even if I'm really sad or, you know, whatever. Mm And I think the same is true with sound design, um, whether it's with music or or ambient sounds or whatever. There's like a way that it, you know, it's it's creating an experience um, that is, you know, either going to resonate or not. But it's going to it's going to lead people in a particular direction. And I think meditation to some people and sometimes is about not leading people in a particular direction but it seems like that's one of your huge gifts is like being able to use sound and music to lead people where they want to go like or or where they're or where I want them where to you go. want them to go or where whoever is <laughs> hiring you wants them to go yeah like it seems like that's such a gift that can be used for yeah for the resistance can be used for good mm-hmm. and for evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I think that it's um. I think that I feel more effective ex- using self expression and creativity as a means to help other people mm-hmm. um, than at this point than than my role as a therapist. Interesting. But it's it is tricky when you're like not sure how to describe what it is that you do. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, when hmm, I know for myself, when there's self doubt about what I do, like oh, I'm a newbie in a lot of ways, or I'm you know, and I'm still trying to carve out what you know what this looks like, and I probably always will. Yeah. <laughs> like this, I'm still as if there'll be a point where I'm like done. I doubt it. Um, and I think that me having a hard time describing what I do in a simple way is because I have a hard time answering any question in a simple way. Mm, like mm-hmm, I'm just, mm-hmm. I just see things in a very complex way. I was going to say, I just complicate everything. That's kind of a mean way to say it. It's like, I see. No, you lean more into the nuance and like the liminal space and the questions I think so, yeah. yeah. And I mean, depending on it, sometimes I'm in a mood and I have a very strong 
firm opinion about <laughs> something that is very, you know, globalizing and definitive. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, there's like a million, you know, say one thing and there's like a million exceptions popping mm-hmm. into my head. And yeah. Um, but yeah. I guess I hear this theme, Lily, of like you. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, it's all headed in one place because I think there are chapters and things keep we don't have to make permanent decisions, but it mm. seems like this piece of you being a storyteller, but like you're leaning into this part of storytelling that you've become more and more skilled at and it seems like are more and more fascinated with mm. around sound and, and mm. music, mm-hmm. that like that's where you want to go. Think so? I, I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, there's something helpful about you reflecting that because recently I did some freelance work um, for a company that it's a design firm, and they were doing a, a their client is a real estate company, and I, whenever I tell this, I'm like, I don't give a shit about the real estate company, <laughs> I really don't. But I loved the job mm-hmm. because. They, because the team that hired me was trying to make something really beautiful and really evocative to present to this real estate company around here. You know, the real estate company hired them basically to help them kind of design their future of like, how how do we want to be uh, in, in this town that we own so much of? And, you know, what do we want our role to be here and for the business and for the town and all of that? And so they, you know, the design company, they're making something really beautiful for them, really evocative. And they decided to incorporate sound and not just imagery and um, and words. And so, you know, the first part of it was creating an audio tour. And so they had interviewed people around the community and we made these 11 different short audio pieces that they brought them around the town and they put on headphones in various places and listened to this like short piece um, that brought them into uh, the environment in a deeper way and gave them some, some context and, you know, some very human touch. And then just recently they brought me back in to help design kind of an immersive space that these people were going to be walking through in an exhibit. And I loved it so much. I mean, part of it was like they they were really happy with my work and that again, that validation really helps knowing and knowing getting the feedback later that when they brought and presented it to the company, it went over really well and was really impactful. And it's like, of course, I would love to be doing that for something that's like purely for the good, you know, mm-hmm. but just doing that create like. I, I realized how much that particular aspect of doing audio work is really fulfilling to me and, and fun. Mm-hmm. I also really like getting to express myself and be like a voice and like, mm-hmm. you know, the on-air talent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's other ways for me to fulfill that. And I'm making a lot more music now and oh. um, we'll be developing a podcast for BFF that I'll at least host like kind of intro um, oh interesting yeah so you, are you gonna tell us more about that um, today i could i i mean it hasn't happened yet so it's like <laughs> i'm working on it it's you know in like 
prototyping phase. So, but the idea would be that I want to present more of um, the interesting interviews that happen across the shows on the station mm. by editing them down mm-hmm. and doing an intro and also introducing listeners to the various DJs at the station who do those interviews. So with, with, with artists, local artists, you know, people on tour who come through, just finding like some of the best ones and, you know, editing them down to like a short uh, episode mm. and putting that out on a kind of regular basis. So, yeah, I'd really like to, again, continue working with storytelling, with sound, with spreading interesting content around um yeah but i like edited i like i like doing Mm. this i have fun with this process Mm -hmm. but i think that um i really enjoy polishing things yes that makes so much sense yeah i mean remembering your podcast and everything that makes so much sense Mm -hmm. and do you help people create podcasts or improve their podcasts at all Sometimes um, I think that that would be part of my role if we kind of start doing more podcasts with through the station. Mm. I would I would definitely play a role in helping people with that and creating kind of more of a space for there being support around that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would I would say that overall, like in terms of the work I get paid to do, that's not my biggest area. I would say. I get most excited when people are like, can you make this beautiful? Ah, okay. So you like your, like that's when you're more in your zone of genius is where you get to just like be the wizard doing that. I'm moving my hands around. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm like, I want to say yes, but you said genius and I'm like, mm. well, zone of genius. It's like this idea of um, that we each have a zone of genius. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And um, huh. this this dude, um, Gay Hendricks, came up with it. It's it's the idea that like we spend time in different zones and you're in your zone of competence or well, you could be in your zone of incompetence, but <laughs> often it's like frequently. <laughs> Often it's like your zone of competence, your zone of excellence, and then there's your zone of genius. And when you're in your zone of genius, it's you're you're in flow and you, you know, you lose track of time and you're doing what you're uniquely suited to do rather than just doing like what you're really great at. It's like mm. what you are kind of what he would kind of say you're meant to be doing. Yeah. And so his theory is we've got to each find that and step into it like a hundred percent of the time if possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it takes some pressure off if we think of it as like everyone has one. Yeah. Right. Totally. So it's not like a, it's, it's like the way labels are often problematic. It's like, yeah. Oh, that person is aging. Yeah. 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 It's like, Oh, that person has, like moments of genius or isn't that as, how the word you know, was meant to be used in the first place that's what i heard like that makes a lot of sense to me it wasn't supposed to be a person it was supposed to be like a thing that happens to a an person. experience yeah it's like any feeling it's gonna pass yeah <laughs> this moment of genius will not be here forever <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah okay well putting it that way yes that's when i feel the most like like I have the most uh, 
connection and mm-hmm. I mean it's like it's not easy it's not like the, I mean there's totally parts where it's like ah uh, uh, mm-hmm. what am I doing here mm-hmm. ah that sounds like shit and then and then the breakthroughs and the yeah like it sounds like you're able to tolerate the frustration in in those when you're working on those things yeah, yeah. I think so yeah enough to keep doing it yeah I might appear very frustrated sometimes (laughs) 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 and there's you know it's also a weird thing because I'm not there's a lot of like uh imposter syndrome too around just not being I don't think I'm super like compared to the average person yes I'm extreme like I'm very I'm very technically skilled Mm -hmm. in this thing Mm -hmm. but compared to other people doing that work Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm I'm very I'm very like a lot less technical in terms of understanding how the software works and what I'm doing and and why and isn't that like, the fucked up thing like whatever we gain mastery of we're now looking at ourselves as being in a different group and within that group yeah we're always always like, falling short falling short always falling short yeah, yeah. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and I, yeah, and I think there, there is that element that's like, where's the part where I'm just on a stage and it's dark in a room full of millions of people? I don't know what room holds millions of people. <laughs> that sounds terrible, actually. <laughs> and like, there's just like a spotlight on me and everyone's clapping. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're Elton John. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Right now, I'm just perfect and great and everybody loves me and I didn't mess anything up and I know what I'm doing and <sighs> okay. You did it. All good. All done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just not going to happen. And even if it does, even if even if I was Elton John, mm-hmm. those feelings actually don't go away. Right. Right. I doubt. I mean, no. not from what I hear. And not from what I experience in increments, you know, like self-doubt, confusion, identity crisis, dissatisfaction, uh, wanting something different. Like all of that just seems like forever. Yeah. It does. God, I think that must be a lot of the key is like our relationship with that tension. Yeah. Like having a positive or or some kind of relationship we want to have with that permanent tension. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that I noticed that changing very slowly Mm. inside of me is like, um, a little more resilience to that, like a little more like acceptance that that's how it is. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that though, as as I've moved more into acceptance, um, or at least like acknowledgement, um, then there's more despair mm. at first, at least, because because you don't you don't get to indulge as much in the hope that it that there's a fantastical like fix. Mm-hmm. So then you just have to be disappointed. And so I hope that eventually 
<laughs> and I experience it in moments that eventually like you kind of pass through the despair phase. Maybe this is all the grief process. Yeah. Right. Like grieving the loss of those fantasies. Mm -hmm. um, that, oh, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is, yeah, this is the way it is. Yeah. And, and through that, through accepting it more, you kind of move through it a little bit more easily eventually. Well, also, I think you and I have really screwed ourselves this way. And I think a lot <laughs> of people like where we're not doing a job that is like, you know, at a corporation or at a nonprofit where we're like climbing the ladder and then mm -hmm. there's like an official top of the ladder that you either get to or you don't and like I think that's I think that's true for a lot of people it's not just yeah. you and me but it's yeah. like we keep creating new things and we keep saying like okay well what's my next chapter and like yeah what am I going to gain more mastery of and what am I going to let go of so it's like yeah and when yeah. you're when you're self-employed and you're these are your own creations it's like the sky's the limit, but it's also all on you. Mm -hmm. It's all on me. It's it's all how I define what success is mm -hmm. and what good enough is. And there's definitely society coming in too, mm -hmm. like that that in society's ideas of success and good enough definitely impact me. But it's there are not like clear metrics for this, and there's not a review process, a performance review process where oh, okay, so these are the areas I need to work on so that I can get the better bonus next time and, you know, maybe the promotion. And, like, those structures just don't exist. And and that structurelessness has been so... I mean, it's probably allowed for a lot of really great things, but I'm really tired of it. Mm. Like, like... It may be that I find I like get a job at a corporation or something and I do that for a while and I just am like, okay, I yes, that's right. That's why I don't do this. Like mm. I can't don't tell me what to do, man. Yeah. <laughs> but like the structurelessness is really is a really uncomfortable place to be. Um, a lot of the time. It's interesting. I do I have a lot of structure that I build into my own like business mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it can start to feel like as if it's real. I mean, it is, I've made it real. Yeah. But it can almost feel like it's an outer expectation. Like I set these deadlines for myself and I have like a monthly review process and mm. I have an mm -hmm. annual ritual that I go through where I like look at what are the gains of the last year? What are your mistakes? Yeah. Yeah. And then like, this whole process I'm actually doing tomorrow, I'm doing like a webinar where I'm leading people through it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so it's interesting hearing you say that, like I'm so drawn to creating that for myself, like creating yeah. an annual review structure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, I am too, like, and actually some of the things I do, I think I learned from some of the talks you've given that I've gone oh. to. I'm sorry, I've only gone to your free talks. <laughs> okay. But I got a lot from them. So I was like, it's okay. I don't need that makes me happy. I don't need more. Um, but it's I do I do think that I have more structure around those things in my business than mm. some of the other 
um, private practice therapists I know have. I don't feel like I have it around my freelance work mm. um, yet. And I think some of that is just being newer at it, even though there's things that I could apply to it and certain like bookkeeping things I do that I already kind of learned from having a different business. Yeah, But I, I think that um, there's something for me that happens with structure where I, I will create it and I'll get very like, you know, I'll be very like, you know, on top of it. Um, and then my inner child just eventually just collapses. And it's mm. like, I'm so tired. Mm. I want someone else to do this. Mm-hmm. Please, please. I can't do Like, I just say I can I, I can hold it together so long before it's just like, Ugh. and that shows up in a whole bunch of ways in my life, whether it's around exercise or around like, you know, cleaning or, oh, yeah. you know, like all kinds of things. Um laundry grocery shopping oh god i did laundry yesterday but i didn't do grocery shopping yeah i was like all right you did one of the things Mm -hmm. (laughs) you did something yeah i but i think because because of like i think because of that there's a way where like every single aspect of oh and also being um being single not having kids like i mean being in a relationship and having children is, is a lot of hard work. I know. Um, not, I mean, I believe, <laughs> but, but I think those things also provide more structure too, because there's like yeah. ex- external needs that need to be met. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that there's something where I just feel like I'm just floating around purposeless and lost and like, don't know who, who I am and what I'm doing and why and any of that mm-hmm. and just wanting something. And so I don't know if the answer is to actually get that something or if the answer is to let th- that experience pass through me, you know, and like mm-hmm. keep, keep at it, keep mm-hmm. it life that will always be kind of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll see. I could get a corporate job and do that for a year. I could get a corporate job and do that for a month and hate it so much. Mm-hmm. The fantasy of having, you know, health insurance and a boss and like all those things might just come crashing down hard. <laughs> yeah. I also think it is. I mean, tell me if you agree with this. Like, I think it is hard I mean, obviously, I'm I'm giving one of them up. I think it's hard to have two careers. Yes, at the same time. Yes, it's it's a lot of work. It's like I maybe only see clients one day a week, mm-hmm. but I have to, you know, it's my office. I have subleasers. I have, you know, licenses to keep up and yep. liability insurance to keep, and just all these pieces that go into it. It's um. I, I do long for this, like I want variety in the work I do, but I long for the simplicity of one job. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's really hard to maintain structures and annual review and all of that for two. Yes. Yeah. You know, we talked way past when I normally take a song break <laughs> and switch gears. So let's take a song break and then come back and let's do a listener question. All right. So um, also before, well, no, I'll do this when I come back from the song. So you're listening to Radical Advice. 
Community Radio. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever. All your friends are doing it.
to BFF.fm, you're joining more than 800 of your friends and neighbors who also believe in the power of community radio to bring people together. So make your gift today at BFF.fm slash donate. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever. You are listening to Radical Advice on BFF.fm. I played the shorter version of that because that is me and I am here. So, um, uh, yes, today is Giving Tuesday, which if you if you aren't up on all the Internet hashtags of all the things, um, Giving Tuesday is a day uh, on which we are asked to make extra contributions to our charities of choice to the organizations that matter to us and if bff.fm has been a source of joy a source of support a source of just learning about so much great music that you wouldn't have heard before commercial free this is not a commercial um i really encourage you to go to bff.fm donate and uh make a make a contribution it's a you know you probably you probably have tons of cash just sitting around at the end of the year and you need some place to put it and we are the place we are the place and also if you can make it out tonight um here at the secret alley we are having our uh year-end fundraising gala and so there's going to be there there's a donation at the door and then we'll have like a, a silent auction and Sunny from Sunny and the Sunsets will be playing a live set. You you can meet a bunch of the bunch of your favorite DJs. We'll have a bar going, and it's just going to be a really fun event. Um, so definitely you should come by. And you can find out more about that at bff.fm or on our Facebook page. You can find the invite or on Twitter at bff dot uh, spelled out d o t f m. Uh, so thank you so much for listening and for being here and supporting us. Um, I know that I couldn't have done this show for the last, you know, almost two and a half years if people weren't supporting the station and keeping it alive and thriving and growing. And there's so much cool stuff that we want to do in the future. Um, and I will be doing uh, these podcast projects with the station as things move along. So. And I'm still here with my guest, Annie Schusler. Hi. Hey. We've been talking a lot about career transitions and endings and big changes. Um, I want to take a detour from that for a moment to, not a moment, you know, some chunk of time, whatever it's going to take, <laughs> to address a listener life question. Are you ready for this? You bet. Okay. So this is about dating. Um, So this person writes, I'm falling for this guy who I suspect is not really good for me or available. He is super hot and cold and also secretive. But I think it's just because he's afraid of falling in love with me. No. I know. (laughs) He said when he gets cold, it's be. Oh, he said when he gets cold, it's because he's afraid of falling in love with me. Half of me thinks it's worth sticking around and half of me thinks I might just be wasting my time. This tends to be my pattern. I date really smart people with a lot of wounding and destruction. Then the healthy people I date don't tend to get my attention or affection. 
Should I just break up with him and date someone else? Oh, God. I mean, like, yeah, but also I wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) I have the same problems, so I don't, I mean, I mean, it depends. Like, if I, yeah, it depends on, it sounds like this person's feeling attachment. The fact that they even are writing in about it. Um, It's really hard because there's like, there's the part of it that's like, maybe there's a real connection there. And like, what is a real connection anyway? What does any of it mean? But then also there's the part of it that is that ambivalence and uh, intermittent reinforcement from another person are such a powerful. So hot. Oh, it's so hot. It just keeps us like hooked in like, oh, yes, I'm going to live for those moments when I get what I want. And, you know, it's right around the corner and I'm going to get it. And like, oh, it's just it's like right there on the cert. Oh, and he's telling me he's just afraid of I just need to help him break through his fear of love and then he'll be with me. (sighs) Oh, my God. Oh, I've been there. Oh, I mean, I kind of feel like you like, should you? Yeah, but I didn't. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, yeah. It's the thing where like all your friends are going to tell you to and you won't. And then you're going to feel ashamed and like not want to tell your friends about your life. Right. (laughs) So it makes me think like since we all kind of, well, me and Lily kind of agree, like, yeah, you should, but can you? Um, and then I'm betting, like, your closest friends who you trust maybe are saying that too. Like, yeah, you should, you're, you know, this person doesn't deserve you. There are people out there who are going to be clear that they want to be with you or at least, like, moving in that direction. And you deserve one of them or many of them. But... So then it makes me think like in the times that I've been in this spot where I was so drawn to someone who was not available or not consistently available, it makes me think like, well, what could I have done if Mm. anything differently? And it feels like maybe just, oh, it's going to sound so annoying, (laughs) but maybe just like working on my relationship with myself more and like showing up for myself and um and being like being okay with my expectations even just in the moment like mm-hmm. of how i want to be treated and being um direct and communicative i feel like those are the places that i could have made a little bit of progress yeah. And it instead it felt like I was distracted by this question of like, do I have to break up with this person? When mm. like I wasn't going to. Like yeah, I just yeah, couldn't. Yeah. Let it go. Like, yeah, like maybe just like don't try. Mm-hmm. Don't try so hard there. So you have energy somewhere else. Yeah. yeah you know, I I've been through this. Mm, God, I've been through this so many times. I'm not over it. I'm not past it it's just really hard Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think that like 
you know, for whatever reason, another person is ambivalent or not available. It's like, I know, I know for myself what happens is because I have more of an anxious attachment style. And I think when some, you know, we could say like, oh, this person has this attachment style. This person has this. Also, we have different, we can have different attachment styles and different, um, with different people. Yeah. Like there's different triggers there. And it sounds like this person kind of can be triggering more of an anxious attachment style um, mm-hmm. because they're more ambivalent and um, maybe uh, withdrawn sometimes. And I know for myself when when I'm in that kind of dynamic, if the other person is ambivalent, I become so fixated on winning them over mm-hmm. that I can't pay attention to myself and my own needs. Mm-hmm. And I've done that to the degree of like once something was finally over, over, and I was distanced from it enough, it took a while to be like, oh my God, I didn't even like him. <laughs> like I literally did not like him. He was not likable for me. <laughs> and like, what the fuck? <laughs> like I didn't like him, but I needed him to like me. I needed him to want me. And there was something, you know, there are people I don't like who I don't have that experience with. But like there was something where something about that person like really like triggered some old deep wounds, just the way that they behaved. Mm-hmm. And even though we didn't have enough in common, we didn't want the same things. He wasn't kind or supportive. Like there were all these things. Um, well, him not being kind and not being supportive was part of the trauma. <laughs> and like, it's just like, it was just re it was, re- it was a repetition compulsion as Freud says, it was like replaying this old wound that I was trying to resolve through winning this person over who was who was just not that into me, honestly. A hundred percent. And like and 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 in that I didn't even have the mental space to realize, to accept that I wasn't into him either. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't. When I think about him now, I'm just like, oh, eh. why? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> so it's um there's that part and so what I would wonder for this person kind of like what you're saying is is like can you develop you know can can you work on paying attention to yourself and your own needs like is is there a way to consciously take some space to reflect on is this someone you actually like like Mm -hmm. really like you know I have another challenge I'm thinking of in there is like, do you like who you are when you're in the hard parts of this Mm. relationship? And like, if you don't, if you feel like, well, I'll just talk about me. Like when I was in something that sounds kind of like this, like over and over with different people, I would not like myself. Like I would become um, clingy or Mm -hmm, I would become... mm -hmm. Um, like maybe I would have like tantrums mm-hmm. or I would be, um, you know, just all these different things that don't feel God, peaceful. I cannot picture you having a tantrum, <laughs> 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 but I'm getting some pleasure out of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like looking at like in this kind of th- couples therapy, um, EFT, emotion focused couples therapy, like there's the idea of a cycle, like where there's your partner does something and then you do something else to react and then they do something to react to you and you find yourself in 
a really unpleasant cycle. Yeah. And so if you're just working on you, like what do you what do you want to do about your side of the cycle? Like when you're being a way that you don't like. Yeah. Where could you slow down? Like when you're getting anxious because they're pulling back or when you're getting anxious because of any behavior they do or don't do, like mm-hmm. that could be a place of like opening up some self-compassion, opening up some like maybe holding back from reacting so that you're not doing things to try to be more attractive to them. Yes. But you're, even though you, who knows, it may even have that impact or it may not, it may have the opposite, but you're like, you're using this, time when you're not going to dump them anyway Mm -hmm. to really work those inner emotional muscles of like how can I slow down my reaction and give myself some compassion and love yeah 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 I think and I think having that permission I give you permission it sounds like you do Mm. too to stay with this person and like not feel not not that it's not a shameful thing to do that it's not I, it's I think when I feel pressure from people like that's like in the form of you have no self-respect mm. and you you know and like you deserve better and like all of that it's like that just makes me feel worse mm-hmm. and what I really need is patience and so I feel like what I'm what I want to pass on to you is like wherever you are with staying or going like it's okay mm-hmm. that you're there and it might be uncomfortable but but you don't need the added shame for for being there despite how like illogical it might look from the outside god and that can even keep you out of a cycle of breaking up and getting back together because mm-hmm. sometimes i'm not accusing this person but this has happened to me like mm-hmm. and so many people i'm close to it's like when you break up with this person or you say like I need space you become sometimes a lot more attractive to that person right. and it can just be part of the cycle so oh yeah let's not yeah. do that yeah let's like, we're really ready yeah let's just <laughs> right and to really like yeah to just keep paying attention to how you're feeling mm. with each piece and ask you know finding moments to ask yourself what what do I actually want what do I actually need? And even if you go against it in your actions to at least acknowledge mm. it's there. Um, it's kind of, it's like, I would call it like mindfully dating a douchebag. Ooh, yes. <laughs> How to mindfully date douchebags. <laughs> that will be my new book. <laughs> yeah, and it's like harm reduction, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, exactly. It is. It is like harm reduction instead of being... Yeah, I mean, I've had situations where friends have been like, you're at, you know, it, this is like addiction. And I'm like, I mean, so is everything. So fuck you. <laughs> like, great. Now I need to be like, I'm an addict. Like, it, that's not helpful to me. I think it's helpful to some people. There are people who have like identified with that and have mm-hmm. found things like, you know, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous or, you know, mm-hmm. to be a helpful support. I find that stuff to be so like shame inducing mm-hmm. and like not and like somehow being acting like, you know, like 
not most of the population is dealing with these things. I feel like so many people, at least at various points in their life, are dealing with these things. Got two out of two question answers answerers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that many. <laughs> not not my current wife. Like that she's not she doesn't elicit that cycle mm. in me, but Whew. over and over again with other people. Yeah. I'm I'm uh, inspired. <laughs> I hope to find that. Oh, you want to know something really creepy? Huh? When yes. I was first dating Amy, um, someone asked me, like, uh, what's she like? And I said, she's really nice. And they were like, that's not going to last. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? That's terrible that they said that. <laughs> yeah. I understand where that's coming from. Yeah. Um, and I And I wonder, it's like this person is kind of expressing... When I date people who are into me, I don't give them that much attention. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's something I haven't been able to figure out because I've been in I've I tried that once. <laughs> I once tried mm-hmm. to date someone who was just really nice to me and into me and available. Right. And um, it didn't last. Mm-hmm. And and a part of me is like, oh, is that because like I can't be attracted to someone who loves me or like. But I also think it was just a bad fit, yeah. you know, and like I don't want to. <sighs> overthink that and use it as another reason to pathologize myself I think that there is there is a there is a I think it's possible for someone to be available and to want you Mm -hmm. and to not be super ambivalent about it and for you to be um into them too Mm -hmm. but I think that that like also finding someone who's the right fit is like really rare yeah, it's just like and requires so much luck and timing yeah, and persistence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we create these other like exciting dramas. <laughs> like because we really don't want to be alone, I think. Like I think most of us don't want to be alone. And it's really some of for some of us it's harder than others to to cope with that and kind of wait it out for mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I would definitely, I just, yeah, I just want this person to, I guess, like, work on tolerating the, like, the unknown, Yeah, you know, which is, I don't, I don't know that this is the right person for me to be dating, but mm-hmm. I'm not ready to stop dating them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there is someone out there that I will ever find for whom like it's a real fit I don't know if anything will last ever I don't know when I will die Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if I'll be alone forever like all of that is is we can't we can't know most of the time Mm -hmm. so then like who do you want to be in those moments Mm -hmm. when you're in pain about this or, or who do you want to be in those moments when you're not getting what you want? Like, yeah. And like what, how can you step into more love and more joy like with or without this person providing it? Yeah. Yeah. Without having to say like, go on now, go <laughs> walk out the door. Like, <laughs> that can... I will survive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
what's that? I was like, these boots are gonna walk all over you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> whip out all those feminine <laughs> empowerment songs of leaving those assholes behind. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that stuff, like, really... Uh, those songs really don't resonate with me very mm. much. Like, I mean, I like singing I Will Survive because it's a classic and it's fun to sing it. But, like, I don't know. Like, I love... <laughs> <laughs> well, right. So I love I love Lizzo, mm -hmm. but actually a lot of her songs don't resonate for me mm. because I'm in a place of feeling like I'm struggling to feel empowered and this and it's too big of a leap. Mm. It's too big of a leap to be like, just like, don't listen to the haters and like be you. You're mm. the best. That's that's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's some steps. <laughs> There's some steps between here and there. And that doesn't that doesn't feel authentic to me. And then there and then there's a thing that can happen, especially I think in in like feminism, where there can be shame for not feeling empowered. Mm -hmm. There can be shame for not always acting in the most empowered, self-respecting way. And mm -hmm. that shame can be in, is internal, but it's also coming from the outside. This is something I'm really loving about the health at every size movement right yeah. now, a direction I see a lot of people going of like radical honesty around like, like so many different textures and different ways of talking about it. But also like, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like I hear more and more leaders in the movement or just people who contribute to the movement talking about like how well, and even your interview with Marielle, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like yeah, just talking about like, let's be like real and honest about what's hard, not just say like, you've got to like love your body every day or you're failing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's mm -hmm. I th I think the same thing. The body is just like an ex a part of the self. It's like yes. I like. I'm sorry, I don't love myself all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, not, you know, and like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm apologetic sometimes. <laughs> like, I, like, <laughs> like, it, it, when you have a strong inner critic, mm -hmm. these, these ideas about loving yourself and body positivity and like self respect and all that can actually be just another area where you're fucking up and like not good enough. It's kind of like spiritual bypass, but like, yeah. Like liberation bypass. Exactly. It's like maybe loving ourselves sometimes is loving, accepting, embracing, nurturing the parts of us that don't yeah. always feel great. Yeah. Yeah. Like have bad self esteem. Right. And and validating that like there are parts of myself that have been really cruel to me. Mm -hmm. And like, should I love them? Should mm -hmm. I, you know, should I, um, I don't know. I don't know that that's really the right route for me at the moment. You know, do you love your abuser? Is that, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, that maybe isn't, that's too much to ask sometimes. Or like, oh, this has been a really difficult relationship my whole life. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like, like there's a lot of trust that's been broken. A lot of like, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of healing that has to happen for love to be a more consistent thing. I think loving myself happens in moments. Gosh, mm -hmm. this is mm -hmm. making me teary. Um, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I could go back and count how many times I've cried on the show mm-hmm. as part of my show ending statistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, I probably could if I had the time because I usually say <laughs> I don't have to say it, but for some reason I'm like, I in case they hear it in my voice, I'm just gonna acknowledge this right now. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's like it's like there's a lot of healing and a lot of difficult like tensions to be with to really to work through to to love ourselves. Yeah. We're not just one thing. Yeah, I like that idea of like you're saying like there's some steps missing if we just say like I love myself every moment. It's yeah. like for me it feels more helpful to say like it's you know if I'm suffering if I'm beating myself up somehow just to like notice it and say like oh I don't want you to suffer. Yeah. Rather than necessarily saying like we're going to decide the opposite of whatever this beating up is and just totally. believe it it's like yeah. well now I feel bad that I don't really believe like and now I feel like yeah. I'm out of honesty with myself so right no just like oh you're really suffering I don't want you to suffer Feels yeah like I can do that yeah yeah it's like as simple it's like what I want from friends sometimes isn't mm. fix, fixing it or like telling me that I'm perfect or anything sometimes I just want like I'm so sorry. I totally get that feeling. It sucks. Yeah. We all feel that way sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think we should listen to a song. And and even though sometimes the Lizzo attitude is right for me, that's not today. So we're not going to listen to Lizzo. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we're going to listen to... Um, be all things by chelsea wolf i haven't like from from her album birth of violence it's such a beautiful album Mm. i haven't listened to like all the lyrics to this deeply so i don't know if this is exactly what she means but um i was thinking a little bit about you you had mentioned something before the show about this aspect of the career pivots and all these Mm. things where it's like we want to do everything Mm. and be everything and um i was thinking about that a little bit but also it's just a beautiful song so here's Chelsea Wolf, Be All Things. You're listening to Radical Advice on BFF.fm. And we'll be right back with more conversation.
to Radical Advice on BFF.fm, Best Frequencies Forever. I am Lily Sloan, and I'm here with Annie Schusler. Hi. Hey. Um, that was Be All Things by Chelsea Wolfe. Really beautiful song. Um, we were just taking a, a song slash cry break. Well, I was the only one crying, but. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think where we, where we've left off. I think that there's definitely something about, well, you were just saying while we were listening to the song about like authenticity and bringing, bringing your, all your parts into your work that is visible. Yeah. Um, and what, what that means and looks like and. Yeah, like I was just noticing that you're so good at being vulnerable. Like both times I've been here, like you're really vulnerable and honest and like I talk about what's real for you and and I would find it inspiring and and then it made me think like which I've been thinking about like how can I do more of that in a way that feels right with the projects I'm doing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It is it is tricky. Um, as I was just saying to you, like there's I think that a lot of people who you might look to as role models in that are curating yes. their authenticity. Yeah. I think we all are. We're still perf- there's still a performance. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it when it's like I don't come here like planning to cry. Mm-hmm. I just am very teary person <laughs> who can cry easily. And so I'm, you know, and this isn't scripted. So things are happening in the moment that are authentic. But um, 
I guess maybe the curation in this case is around like I'm here and I'm doing this and I'm I'm allowing this kind of conversation to be happening. It's not like a surprise comp like thing. Mm -hmm. Um and also I think about how Brene Brown would talk about uh you know, when she talks about authenticity, she doesn't mean just like being like super messy everywhere with everyone, yeah. like that there are safe people and there are different kind of circles of, of, you know, like, okay, these are the people who get the really messy stuff. Here's the mm -hmm. people who get this level of it. And when she's telling a story about herself on in a TED talk, it's pretty digested at that point, yeah. you know, and it's pretty prepared. Now, I mean, a TED talk, you spend a long time preparing. I'm not preparing this. Mm -hmm. So this is less digested. Um, and there's an edge that I'm walking where, you know, there are certain things I'm not saying or sharing because I am aware of the context. But also, I think being at a community radio station and, and like that, that is what it is. I, um, I have found over the last couple of years a certain comfort in just being being more messy on the show. And yeah. I think that somewhere else would be different when I was doing a therapist box into a bar. That was different. You know, there mm. it was edited, it was scripted. There and when you got bits of me being um kind of emotional in a moment from like an interview I was giving or a conversation I was having with somebody, I was very consciously choosing to include that. Yeah. It seems like being having the training that we have as therapists is maybe helpful in this in like we really we've thought so much about self-disclosure in the therapy yeah. room and like when we're gonna like kind of I don't want to say use our emotions but like you know we do we have moments where we're like okay if I let myself go ahead and cry it's not going to damage this person I've I'm like I know enough about this person about our relationship and about blah blah blah, blah. Yeah. like that I yeah. can quickly calculate like this is going to be okay and in fact it might be helpful right healing to this person and like I think all of that it's it's so strange yeah that training but it also like <laughs> then it comes in handy with probably podcasting or other things where we're like right. deciding what to show and what to hold back yeah, I think you're right. I think that when I'm doing the show, those thoughts are going through my mind. Mm -hmm. And I feel like most of what I would want to share is okay. Mm -hmm. There are things that I hold back. Um, and you're very practiced at it. Like you've been doing it for so long that it's probably pretty integrated. Yeah, and there are probably people who would hate listening, who like would never want to hear that stuff. And that's fine. They're not my listeners, yeah. obviously. <laughs> Um, definitely the guy who left the review iTunes review about the other show, uh, about my vocal fry would not, oh. would not enjoy this, sh this show, you know, because I female vocal fry is very inappropriate. Oh yeah. No, we should never, we, we should, we should never do we it. We should never do we it. We should never do it. Um, but, <laughs> but male identified people should do totally Oh yeah, it's totally, it it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. I think we should just fry out the rest of the show. <laughs> um, yeah, I, but, but it, it is kind of like a contextual thing. And I think, you know, like, you know, there's, 
and it's it's subjective like what is too much what is enough of a filter what is appropriate you know these are who who decides that you know it's very mm-hmm. and by by going out and creating our own projects mm-hmm. we're we are kind of making the rules we're deciding yeah. i want to make this thing for this audience who i think will resonate with it and of course you know we want to take feedback we want to you know we we want to be somewhat aware of our audience when we make those decisions but but there is a little more freedom to be ourselves because we're building around it also though I did that as a therapist like I don't work with plenty of people yeah like there's plenty of people who or people who've come in and had a first session and it wasn't a fit like there's and I'm pretty uh not I'm not super neutral on my website yeah you know like and I and some of that I learned from you like Mm. you know to just like you know, back when you when you were doing more work around coaching therapists around <laughs> building their business, which you said you're not doing as much anymore. You're coaching therapists around doing other things outside yeah. of their their business um, or that part of their business. Uh, I learned more about actually letting who I am be be the marketing tool. Yes, be the thing that attracts my clients, and then you're not trapped. Yeah, and I really like my clients. Yeah. Like it's it's been good and they seem on the whole like there's moments where I'm like, "Oh, that was too much, you know. I've shared too much there. That was probably unnecessary." But on the whole, mm-hmm. my style of showing up in the room in a pretty authentic way is seems like a good fit for the people that I work with. Yeah. So that I don't know. I think using ourselves starting with ourselves and what mm-hmm. is important to us because we are human beings. We are also a, a target market. Yeah. Like is is important. Yeah. When I think about some of my favorite content out there, it's really very polarizing. Like it, there's mm-hmm. no way everybody likes it. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> oh, my God. For, absolutely. I I actually have a bit of an aversion to things that everybody likes. Except, yeah. What about Dolly Parton? I actually don't care about Dolly Parton at all. Right? Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't say I actively dislike Dolly Parton, but there's nothing about Dolly Parton that makes any like that resonates with me or that makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I liked that movie Nine to Five. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But otherwise, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. She's a figure that people really are into. Jad Abumrad just you you know about this series which just I found so fascinating the idea that like she's kind of a unicorn in that she really did go full throttle like this is me yeah and almost everybody likes her it's like kind of interesting but not I mean not something that I think any of us should try to well I mean and I think that if I like there's a lot of things that I don't care about that if I learned more about them contextually, I would care about them more, mm-hmm. but they don't grab me, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I, Jad Abumrad is a huge influence for me in, in the audio arts, yeah. you know, in music and in, in sound design in particular and in podcasting. And, um, so the fact that he's like, I'm going to make a whole podcast about Dolly Parton. I'm like, well, maybe I should listen to that because, <laughs> because, I respect his taste quite a bit. It's just she hasn't been a figure that's ever really 
come into my sphere and resonated. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, and that is interesting because there are people who have transcended quite a bit. At least it, maybe not everybody likes them, but a lot of people do just, you know, despite or because of their um, extreme themness, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they're not packaged uh, processed food, you know, mm-hmm. they're like very, they're fresh. <laughs> this is not a good analogy. <laughs> this is not a good analogy anymore. Really, really lost that one. But you know what? I'm just being real. <laughs> yeah. I think that I I feel like I have seen you, you know, kind of from, from the outside, at least, and on social media, like become more and more distinctive mm. in what you're doing and putting out in the world. Yeah. I mean, even just like, I've worked with the same photographer um, every time I get my headshots done forever. Yeah. Well, for, not forever, for like five years. Since you were an infant. Since I was a baby <laughs> and, five years ago. And your photographer was a also a baby. And <laughs> yeah. And like the times that she's taken my pictures, we've noticed like that what I asked her to do and what she did became really different. Like, yeah. Like the first time I was so much more going for, without thinking about it, I was going by default for like being the prettiest version of myself, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. which, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) But, you know, like my gender presentation was just like very femme and Mm -hmm. like, which, which was authentic, but, um, but then we've just gotten more and more creative and um and i feel like my and playing much more with my queerness yeah and also going to a different place of gender expression i don't know it's just been really fun and i do encourage everybody to really like play with that and look at like what story feels most interesting when we're expressing ourselves like visually or any any which way Working with, um, I've always wanted to, uh, I haven't had the money, but, um, and also I have a brother who's a great photographer, Mm -hmm. so that's helped, but like, I've always wanted to work with, there's, there was a woman I was interested in working with at one point who was doing a project where she was doing nude photography Mm -hmm. that was really um, around kind of helping people heal their Mm -hmm. relationships to their body. And like, there's like, there's lots of things out there, but photographers that are really interested in like playing with that the identity stuff and 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 the self in a way that is interesting and and kind of being a a reflection and a mirror instead of necessary necessarily like a buttoned up presentation yeah and that it is really being photographed is really vulnerable Mm -hmm. and it can be powerful if you know the you have the right kind of connection with the photographer and they're kind of working from that angle too yeah yeah yeah, it's it's always tricky with appearance stuff. It's like, okay, is this actually what is real? What is me? Who mm-hmm. am I? Um, well, we're really complex. We are, and it can be like, I mean, I'm so not an expert in this, but I'm just curious about it. Like, the idea that what could be quote unquote real might not actually look like what you're actually doing most of the time. Like a like I could have someone take pictures of me 
in a sweatshirt in front of my laptop. And that would be the most accurate thing about mm-hmm. like how I spend my time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like maybe there's something else I want to express, which would be better expressed by like, like in my last pictures, I had a pipe. Yeah, I saw it. So <laughs> funny. I loved it. And I was like yeah. wearing boxing gloves at one point. So it's like yeah. trying to tell a story rather than trying to be like. Right. Most days I like to wear boxing gloves and, you know, <laughs> and you like, smoke a pipe and, and I, yeah. yeah, right. I mean, it's like the idea that art is, um, it, sometimes the lie is more true than the truth. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of use art and play and like, you know, story to get at something that's true. Yeah. Um, that, that we wouldn't see in in the this like in the external what what we see externally if you're just sitting there in sweats on your laptop isn't necessarily a isn't an accurate representation of what's happening internally yeah and so to show that visually takes um some some uh illusion in a way yeah. <laughs> like fantasy yeah yeah god it really is making me think like do you have you had like your brother do shots of you in different ways with like the microphone and all the stuff that you have going on? I haven't done anything with like a microphone. Also, because the last time we did a photo shoot was just for my therapy headshots. So they're a little more buttoned up. I actually, um, Jamie, Jamie Borshuk, who is a DJ here at the station and actually, oh, yes, um, has done a really cool project photographing um stuff that happens here at the station mm. that is on display in the hallway that people can see if they come to the gala tonight. Um, I really like her photography and she was recently doing um, a, a, a project where she was playing around with, you know, people in their homes, mm. like in their home environment. And I really, my home is very important to mm. me and like, I really care about interior decorating and like in a way that is very authentic to me and so I had her come over for that. Oh, that's awesome. And I have a whole series of photos from that. I'm like, oh, man, that was right before I got my new glasses. But um, yeah, I really I really enjoyed that process. And there, I still struggled with body image stuff when I saw the pictures. And there was, you know, but like I I found like like we were able to really play with like different vignettes in my home. Oh, my God. That's amazing. And like really it really helped my home pop in this really beautiful way um but also me yeah. and like in 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 a uh, collaboration with my home and that was really cool and special are yeah. those public anywhere um yeah so i mean i use some of them in various places um some of them are on my facebook um but more publicly Mm-hmm. it's like it's it's a it's my dj profile shot mm, um on okay. the bff website is one of them yeah cool yeah and sh- she is awesome people should um should check her out and go to her for for photographic services and when my brother moves back to the bay area i'm sure i'll do more photo shoots with him yeah could do something of me like smashing a piano with a hammer or something yes you know? Yeah. Yeah. We should probably be polyamorous with our photographers. Oh too. yeah, totally. Just, Just like I am with like tattoo artists. It's like, yeah. well, I want a different thing for each time, you know? Yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna be wedded to the same tattoo artist for the rest of my life. Like right. you know, I wanna experience other 
things. Yes. <laughs> um, we're coming really close to the end. So can you answer a question for me? Yeah. Okay. The treasure is buried somewhere in San Francisco. What is the treasure? Where is it buried? I feel like I always take this kind of question so literally. Is you, that okay? That's totally fine. Whatever way you want to take it. Well, my wife just opened a neon shop. Really? And, is yeah. your wife a neon bender? She is. Whoa. Yeah. I love neon. Yeah. Where's her neon shop? It's on Yosemite in the Bayview. Okay. And her website is Rebel Neon. Oh, you you have your fam you have a family branding around we do. rebellion. We do. That's awesome. Yeah. Rebel Neon. Yeah. And I think her work is really like a treasure and she wants to help. She does help to restore neon signs and to kind of keep that art form active. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I'm going to have to check that out. I want someday I'm going to get some custom neon. Yeah. In my life. Yeah, we have it in a lot of different rooms of our home. It's really fun. Oh, cool. Thank you so much for coming and for um, kind of being with me in this conversation. And, and it is kind of nice that we have a little bit of a parallel process going on. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for being so open. Of course. Yeah. It feels it feels good to be open with you and hopefully whoever listened. <laughs> <laughs> um. So there's two more broadcasts of the show. And so please keep listening. I, I don't know yet what I'll do for the final one, but maybe I'll just, maybe it'll just be two hours of Lily crying. That'll be, that'll be good content. <laughs> um, and, and, and go to bff.fm slash donate and help support us in our end of the year fundraiser. Today is Giving Tuesday and we would love to get some support from you. And also, uh, yeah, go to RadicalAdviceShow.com if you want to try to squeeze in a life question right before the very end. And thank you so much for listening. I think I'm going to close out today's show with Lions uh, by Jenny Haval featuring Vivian Wang from the album The Practice of Love. Um but no pressure. You don't need to feel love. You can feel whatever you're feeling. There's no expectation, any particular thing here. Um, yeah. Happy Tuesday. Look at these trees. Look at this grass. Look at those clouds. Look at them now. And look at them now. Study the raindrops on the leaves. Study the raindrops on the leaves.
FM is raising $15,000 by December 31st, so we can hit the ground running in 2020 with some exciting new projects. Join us today at bff.fm donate. With your gift, we can create a more unified sound across all our shows, as well as launch a new bff.fm blog that keeps you informed about new music while providing paid opportunities for local writers. And, of course, we'll keep pumping out the jams 24-7 on the web waves and throwing shows around the bay, including our awesome monthly Besties Bash. When you give to BFF.fm, you're joining more than 800 of your friends and neighbors who also believe in the power of community radio to bring people together. So make your gift today at BFF.fm slash donate. 